Today, I have the greatest story ever told. But this is a story that starts out with a definite downer in the beginning. I mean, actually, let's, let's go way back. I'm going to start in Genesis, and I'm going to preach through the whole Bible today. So now that I've got you here, no, I'm just kidding. But it started in Genesis. When God created the heavens and the earth, and he created human beings in his image, this was the creation. And then the human beings decided that they didn't really want to obey what God asked them. He said, you know what? You can have anything you want. Just don't eat from that one tree. But of course, as, as typical humans, they thought they knew better. So they ate from the tree, which separated them from God, because that was called sin. In the, in the beginning, human beings sin. The definition of sin just simply means doing something that brings death to yourself or doing something that brings death to another person or doing something that dishonors God or displeases God. That's the definition of sin. And the Bible says that all have sinned, every single one has sinned and come short of God's glory. So God had to intervene. And so what he decided was, since there was no perfect human being, he decided, you know what? I'm going to have to do this myself. So he became flesh. He became a human being, came and lived on the earth, walked on the earth for 33 years, lived a perfect, sinless life. The only human being to ever do it before or since. He's the only one who has lived a life and never, ever, ever sinned. Even though it says that he was tempted in every way. So then he decided that he would come to earth. His father sent him to earth. He became flesh and lived with us. And he had to die on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. He paid the penalty for our sins. He is the one. He paid the price. He said, I will go and I will be sacrificed as a perfect, spotless lamb. You know, we sang that song, or they sang that beautiful song. Thank you for that. By the way, you guys, that was beautiful. But it says, praise the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Praise the father. Praise the son. Praise the spirit, three in one. That's talking about God almighty. But the only way we can be reconciled to God is if he gives himself up for us. So that is the incarnation. So we have the creation, and then we have the separation, then we have the incarnation, which leads to our recreation. Or if we, if we accept that forgiveness that was offered for us on the cross, then we are reconciled to our maker, and we can have eternal life. And I'm going to get into this today. I am going to talk about a story that starts out pretty hopeless, just maybe a lot like some of the stories that that you could tell of your 2020 experience, the pandemic, there's, there's a lot of hopelessness. You know, they say that the deaths of despair, which are deaths of suicide, alcohol, and drug overdose, that those have increased up to 60% during the pandemic. There's a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of hurting people. And I know there's probably a lot of hurting people in here right now. 
but you can't live one second without hope. And that is what the Holy Spirit wants to just massage into your heart, is that there is hope. Hope can be restored. Even when hope is lost, it can be restored. Amen? Okay, so we're going to start in Luke chapter 23 with verse 55. This is where it's, it's pretty sketchy. Because Jesus came as the Messiah. The people of Israel, who were the chosen people, they had been waiting and waiting and waiting for centuries for the Messiah. The Messiah is the Christ. The Messiah is the one who has come to save and so they have been waiting for him. So then Jesus comes to earth, and then they start to realize, oh, whoa, this is our Messiah. Jesus, he started performing miracles. He started healing people. He started doing all these amazing things, and they realized Jesus was Messiah. But the part that they forgot was the part where he told them several times that he was going to die, he was going to go away, but that he would be raised again. They seemed to forget this part, and so that's where we are at this point. Jesus was, was sacrificed, he, was suff he suffered, he died, he was beaten, he was crucified on a cross, and he was, he was buried, and they watched this all happen. And so here it says, starting with verse 55, the women who had come with him from Galilee, Jesus was from Galilee, followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So on, on the Sabbath, you're not allowed to do any work. You can't, I mean, Jewish people can't even, they're not even supposed to do anything, nothing, I, I laugh about when I went to Israel and they have the elevator that stops on every floor so that you don't have to reach out and push a button because that would be considered work. I probably shouldn't laugh about that. Sorry for all of you who are Jewish. <clears throat> but it says, on the first day of the week, this is Luke 24, 1. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. So this is probably, they, they estimate this might be like, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, really early in the morning. It says they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. Okay, so this is on Sunday morning. So Jesus was crucified on Friday. This is Sunday morning now, the first day of the week. Oh, by the way, so, so the Bible calls Sunday the first day of the week, which is why we give God our first fruits. We give him the first day of the week. That's why we have, we have our gatherings on Sunday mornings. I don't know about Utah County. I don't know what's up with them, but they do their Saturday night. <laughs> but um, it says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, to get the picture of this, the stone was not just like a little stone. This was a massive, massive stone. And it had even been sealed with the Roman signet. It had been sealed so that at the time, see, the Romans were cruel and they were, they were persecuting believers. They were persecuting Israel. And so they had it sealed. And so all of a sudden, the tomb is open. What? The tomb was open. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in. But now get this. Now, we, we may have heard the story, but it says here, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, think about this. This is the point at which we would freak out. 
They went to the tomb where they saw where he was placed and he wasn't there. So they're immediately probably assuming that someone came in and stole the body. And it says they were perplexed about this. They were perplexed. Some of us are perplexed. Have we been perplexed over the last year? Wondering what's going on? Wondering how God is going to be glorified in this situation? See, these are real emotions. These are real human emotions. And it says they were perplexed about this, but suddenly two men stood among them in dazzling clothes. So the women were, understandably, terrified, and they bowed to the ground. There are those of us who have been terrified over this last year, haven't we? I mean, think about one year ago today, we weren't even allowed to be in the same room together. This is our, our second Resurrection Sunday without being able, I mean, without being free. They are lifting the mask mandate, though. Hallelujah. This is what I've heard. But anyway, um, while they were perplexed, two men stood and they were terrified, and it says, and they bowed to the ground. They were humbled by this. Now, this is the point at which hope was restored. So these women are grieving. This was not in the plot. Messiah was not supposed to die. Jesus Christ was supposed to come and rule and reign and be a king. But instead, he allows himself to be sacrificed and he dies. And then his body is gone. And so this was not how they had planned it. But it says in Luke 24, 5, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Ask these men. He is not here, but he has risen. Amen? He has risen. Okay, I, I, need to, I need to just work with you guys on this. I have tried so many times today to say, he is risen. And everybody's like, yeah. He's like, no. <laughs> the proper answer, historically, so, so Christians had to be underground because if they were captured by the Romans, they would literally turn them into what they called Roman candles, which means they would burn them alive. So they were not about that life. And so what they did was they decided they would have a code. So when they would come across another Christian or who they suspected to be a Christian, they would say, he is risen. And then the other person to identify themselves also as a follower of Jesus would say, he is risen indeed. So we're going to have a little contest. We're going to have this side versus this side. Okay, so I'm going to say he is risen and then you're going to say he is risen indeed. Okay, we're going to see who are the sheep and who are the goats. Ready? <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, that was epic. I don't know, you guys. It's a challenge. You ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Wow. You guys are good. You guys are so much better than first service. <laughs> but that is why we started that tradition. But, but um, we can continue that. So when I say to you next year on Resurrection Sunday, when I say he is risen, don't just go, yeah. Go, he is risen indeed, okay? I'm sorry if you're one of the people that did that. Okay, so hope is restored. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Woo! Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? The, it, the angel here is kind of like, duh. Remember? He told you this was going to happen. And I need to speak to this point because I know there are those of you right now and you're in a situation 
and you're thinking, this is hopeless. You're in a situation and you're thinking, how could God possibly be glorified in this situation? And you're, and you're thinking, I can't come up with a solution. And this is what the Lord wants to say. Remember? Remember my promises that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Remember my promise that I will heal the brokenhearted, I will bind up their wounds. Remember my promise that I will comfort those who are mourning. Remember my promise that I'll provide for all of your needs according to riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Remember the promise I've loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting. And I'm drawing you with my loving kindness. Remember, this is what the Lord is saying to us. Remember, I am good. I am faithful. I do what I say I'm going to do. He's saying, trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. I will lead you. I will guide you into all truth. I will lead you in the way everlasting. That's what he's saying. And this is what The angel of the Lord is saying to them, remember what he said? Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee saying it's necessary? It is necessary. So now, this was not just this oversight that God kind of blew it and was like, oh, how did I allow that to happen? I let my son be crucified. This was all part of his plan. You know, it actually says in Isaiah, it was God's good will that his son should suffer. It was God's will We don't understand that as as parents. It's hard for us to see our children suffer. And so many of us try, try to shield our children from suffering. But you know, with suffering, it produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Suffering doesn't reveal character. It produces it. And character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us. So we need to understand our God is a God of hope. And he's saying he he has the whole world in his hands. He controls everything. He is sovereign over all. And it says it's necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men to be crucified and to rise on the third day. The angel's like, you don't remember him saying this? Guys, Come on, that was pretty significant. That was pretty important. And and then they remembered his words. It says, they remembered. And it says, why are you looking for the the living among the dead? And they returned to the tomb. And then they reported all these things to the 11. Remember, there were 12 disciples. And then one of them uh, went, went crazy, Judas. And he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then he felt so much remorse and guilt that he went out and hung himself. And it says, so they reported these things to the 11, to the rest. So these were the people that were responsible. You know, there's a lot of different theories about what happened to Jesus's body, all of which can be disproved easily. Okay, so it's, this is one thing that is, that is a ridiculous notion, is that these women just made up this story. I mean, that would seem feasible, wouldn't it? Except that during this culture, women were considered second class. They couldn't even testify in court. Women were not even valued enough that their testimony would even count for anything. So here is classic 
God taking women. Classic God. He's taking these women. Mary Magdalene, you know the story of Mary Magdalene. She had a pretty sketchy past. Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women. And they were telling the apostles these things. It says, but these words seem like nonsense to them. This seemed ridiculous to them. They're like, okay, you guys have clearly, you're grieving or maybe your eyes were cloudy because you've been crying or something, but this was nonsense to them. It says, and they did not believe the women. Classic men. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. But it says They couldn't believe it. Because remember, the women had just remembered all the things Jesus said, so they could believe it, but these guys still didn't remember. It says, but Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Peter, he always gets a bad rap. Peter always gets a bad rap because he was like, he was a loose cannon, right? Peter would always be saying the wrong thing or he, he just had no filter. And so he just, he would come out and he'd be like, oh, I did it again. But he got a really bad rap, but look at this. He probably felt so horrible because he denied Jesus three times. And he probably felt so horrible. So it's It says that he got up and he ran. Now, Luke doesn't tell the story about John because John, when he tells the story in John chapter 20, he likes to make sure everyone knows that they had a foot race and he won. He points that out a few times in there. But here it just says that Peter got up and it says he ran to the tomb. And when he stooped to look in, he only saw the linen cloths. Now, again, if, if there were some body snatchers who were coming to take the body of Jesus, don't you think they'd just grab the body, clothes and all? Or would they sit there and take the time, well, let's just take off these? No, that's a ridiculous notion also. Also, there's another popular notion that's called the swoon theory. This claims that Jesus was on the cross and that he just passed out. So they thought he was dead, so they put him in the grave. Let me just say, all the theories that try to explain away the resurrection of Jesus Christ are debunked. There's more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than for any other historical fact anything else. There have been so many people that have tried to disprove it in a court of law, and they can't because there's such a lack of evidence. There are so many witnesses that would tell just the opposite story. So it says, so Peter went away amazed at what happened. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. He wants us to be amazed at the things that happened. He wants us to be amazed that while we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, that while we were still caught and trapped, Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid the penalty so that we could live, so that we could have eternal life. Amen? He wants us to be amazed. He doesn't want us to just kind of be bored with that message. We have eternal life. And hope... I'm going to tell you some awesome, wonderful things that hope brings. Hope brings peace. This has been a year of such a lack of peace, has it not? Think about the things that have happened since last April. I mean, there have been, there's been so much fear, health fears, health scares. There's been violence. 
There's been rioting. There's been dissension. There's been rage. There's been anger. There have been the deaths of despair, right? It's been a pretty hopeless year. And it's been a year without peace, has it not? Anybody, anybody at any point over the last year had maybe some anxiety? Anybody? <laughs> anybody, anybody fallen into a little bit of depression, maybe? The honest ones? <laughs> anybody been stressed out? Anybody been perplexed? Anybody been, been frustrated? Okay, every hand should go up right there. <laughs> it's, I mean, it has been a year of just unrest. But Jesus wants to come in today and speak peace. And this is what it says in Luke 24, 36. As they were saying these things, oh, I fast forwarded a little bit. I, I skipped a whole section here. Um, you can go back and read it yourself. By the way, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those four books are called the Gospels. It's in all of those stories, in all of those um, books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. Starting in verse 36, it says, as they were saying these things, he himself, Jesus himself, stood in their midst. So they were just hanging out in the upper room, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Now, I want you to really grasp this. They watched him be beaten almost to the point of death. It says he was beaten so severely they couldn't even recognize him. That's a, that is a serious beating. They watched him hang on a cross. They watched them, well, actually these guys didn't, but the people that were at the cross, they, they had to put a spear in his side in order to uphold a prophecy that said there will be no bones broken. Because in those days, when they were on the cross, in order to accelerate the process of them dying, they would usually come up and break their legs. But there was, there was a prophecy that said that they were never going to break a bone of his body. So Jesus had already died. But they wanted to make sure he was dead, to refute the swoon theory. And so they took the spear and they jabbed him and out came blood and water, which proved that he had died. So here his followers are. They've been so perplexed and disappointed and, and sorrowful and just grieving. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears. And this is what he wants to do in our situations too. He wants to just show up wherever it is where you're lacking faith, where you're lacking hope, where you're lacking peace, where you're lacking joy. He wants to show up and reveal himself to you in a new way. And it says he stood in their midst and this is what he said to them, peace to you. Because I am sure they were freaking out. It says they were startled and terrified. Yeah, no, duh. As though they were seeing a ghost. They couldn't even believe it. So obviously Jesus had transformed his, his appearance. He didn't look like he did when he was on the cross. And he says, and this is the question he says to some of us today. Why are you troubled Let me ask you that. Why are you troubled? The Bible says, trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus says, I don't give peace the way the world gives peace. I give a peace that transcends 
human understanding. Jesus gives a kind of peace. When he says peace to your storm, boom. Even if the circumstances don't change, you can believe that he is going to go before you. He is going to be good. He is going to be glorified. These are the promises of God, and he always keeps his promises. He says, why are you troubled? And here's the other question he wants to ask. And why do, doubt, why do doubts arise in your hearts? I want to ask you this. You're going through a hard time, whether it's health, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a relationship issue. And I want to ask you, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt the goodness of God? Why do you doubt that he's going to keep his promises when he has never, ever failed? How could you doubt? Why do these doubts arise in your heart? And I, I venture to say it's because you're putting your hope in the wrong thing. You might be putting your hope in the circumstances or in another person or in the medical business or, or maybe you're putting your hope in, in your stockbroker or something. You're not putting your hope in God because when he speaks peace, he will fill you with hope because hope does not disappoint us. And he says, why do doubts arise? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Jesus is saying, I am human. I became flesh for you. It says, touch me and see because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And this was evidence that God loves us. And that's the other thing hope brings. Hope brings us the love of God. You know, the most popular verse in the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whoever believes will not perish, will not go to hell, is basically what it's saying. But they will have everlasting life. By the way, Jesus talks about hell. People tell me, you know, you probably shouldn't talk about hell. That's not really politically correct. <laughs> I fear God more than I fear political correction. Is that proper grammar? Why? God, if, if Jesus talks about hell, he talks about hell more than he talks about money. He talks about hell. And people are going to go to hell. And I'm sorry to say this, but there's really only two options. There's heaven, which pick me, and then there's hell, which no thank you. Okay, so, so he, it says, whoever believes in him will not have that as a threat. They will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. And not only everlasting life, but life abundantly right now. Luke 24, 41, by, while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy. Now, you know those times where something so amazing happens to you, something so op awesome that you just, you're like, this has to be a dream. This can't be real. That's how they were feeling at this point. They went from literally the depths of despair, the, the most depressed they had probably ever been in their lives, to this point of just elation. It says they were in disbelief because of their joy, and he asked them, typical Jesus, so guys have something to eat? <laughs> I mean, think about it. He hasn't eaten for three days. He was in a tomb. <laughs> Friday was rough. I'm pretty sure he didn't eat then either. 
So he's like, do you guys have something to eat? Now that is a significant question because again, he is saying, I'm a human being. I'm human. He is God incarnate in the flesh. But he's hungry. It says, um, it says, so they gave him a piece of broiled fish. So Jesus was eating clean. Amen. <laughs> Jesus was a healthy eater. And it, he took it. He will not eat gluten-free peeps. I promise. <laughs> and it says, and Jesus took it and he ate it in their presence. You know, eating together symbolizes fellowship. It symbolizes intimacy. It, it symbolizes community. The Bible talks so much about eating. And here Jesus is doing this beautiful thing with his followers, and he's, he's eating with them. And this is the thing. This is the, the promise that he offers is a hope for forgiveness. Again, all of us have sinned. Every single person has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's perfection. We've all fallen short of God's glory. There is no hope apart from what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm telling you this because this is what the Bible says. And, it, and it, the resurrection of Jesus, again, is absolutely substantiated historically over and over and over again. And so Jesus had claimed all these things, and he says in verse 44, he told them, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So there were all of these prophecies given about Jesus, and the, the chances of even two of the prophecies being attached to Jesus are, are exponentially beyond anything we can comprehend. And yet Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy that was given about him, except for the ones toward the future, toward the future of now when he returns. It says, and then, and I love this, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Suddenly, boom, it was like their eyes were open and they could suddenly see and they suddenly understood why they had to go through everything they went through, all of the pain and the suffering. And that is still the same principle that Jesus has for us today. And he wants to open our minds to the scriptures. When you read the Bible, open it up and ask, say, say Lord, open my mind so that I can understand your scriptures. Speak to me by your spirit. This is, this is what he wants to say to us today. And it says, he said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer. This is their scriptures. They're supposed to know this. And he will rise from the dead the third day. And repentance for, get this now, forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem and beginning in you. This is the promise Jesus offers. This is why he had to do everything that he did. This is why he allowed himself to be sacrificed so that we could be reconciled to our maker, so that we could be forgiven of our sins. You know, th there's nothing that you can do. You know, when you have like your conscience is really like really bothering you, you know, that feeling when you're laying awake at night with regrets you know, you're all thinking, yeah, last night. You know, you're thinking of these things that, have, that you've been hiding in the dark. 
things that you, you think, if anyone knew this about me. Jesus wants to set you free from that. He wants to set you free from the darkness, from the bondage, from the secrecy, from the pain, from the regrets. He wants to set you free. He wants to wash over all of your sin, past, present, future, all of it. And this is the promise that he offers. It's for the forgiveness of sins. And this is to be proclaimed in his name. And he has given us the gift of his own life so that we could be reconciled to him. And then this is where it gets good. I mean, that's good too, but this is where it gets really amazing, is that then he promises to give us power, the same power, as a matter of fact, that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. Because it says in the Bible, Jesus says, hey, if, if your son would ask you for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asked you for a piece of broiled fish, would you give him a snake? It's saying, certainly not. He's saying, in the same way, when you ask me for my Holy Spirit, I will give it to you. He wants us to desire his Holy Spirit and the power, the dunamis, which is same word as dynamite. He has this power available for us. And you know what it says? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Who would not sign up for this? Right? This is what his promise is. He says, you are witnesses of all these things. And look, I am sending what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. And this is what he is saying to us. Wait on him until you receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't put your hope in yourself. Don't put your hope in your own works. Don't put your hope in the things that, that you think are going to deliver you. Certainly don't put your hopes in other people. Or don't put your hopes in me, please. You know, even Jesus said he entrusted himself to no one because he knew what was in their hearts. The only place you can put your hope is in the Lord. Amen? And that is what he is saying. He's saying, stay in the city till you're empowered on high. I, I talked about it last week. We talked about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, here it is, peace be with you. As a father has sent me, I also send you. And after saying this, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And this is what he wants to say to us today. <sighs> receive the Holy Spirit. It says, if you forgive any, the sins of any, they are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And I want to say this. If you have been a Christian for any length of time, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you are born again, you claim that you're a disciple of Jesus, and yet you have bitterness in your heart or resentment in your heart or unforgiveness in your heart, you cannot experience the fullness that God has for you. You cannot be free. You will not see clearly. You will not hear God's voice clearly. You will not understand the scriptures clearly. So I urge you, I beg you today, if you have any bitterness against anybody, any unforgiveness against anybody, 
Let it go. Let it go. Seriously, today is the day. Today is the day you can receive the forgiveness Jesus offered for you. And if you have received the forgiveness that was offered for you on the cross, and yet you hold anything against your brother, Jesus is like, Mm-mm, nope. You have to do it his way. And his way is the way of forgiveness. And this is where you get power. You will be disempowered if you have bitterness against other people. And this is where we have to believe these things by faith. Hope brings faith. If you hope in God, you, it, you will have a faith that, you know what? I don't know how God is going to get me through this Red Sea that's right in front of me and this Egyptian army that's right behind me because I have no idea, but I know he's going to do some unprecedented thing and he's going to get me through here. Because that, you can't believe it by what you see. You know, faith is being sure of what you hope for and convinced of what you haven't yet seen. And this is what Jesus wants to offer to us. And this is what he says. Um, Peace be with you as the Father has sent, or wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, John 20, 28. Thomas responded. Okay, you guys, you may have heard the saying, he's a doubting Thomas. Again, poor Thomas. The guy, he was probably just right brain and or left brain he was probably left brain probably a really logical guy he just wanted to see some evidence he wasn't just going to believe this he wanted to see it he wanted to see his hands and his feet and you know what everybody said oh Thomas he just doubted but you know what think about how Jesus treated Thomas Jesus like I get it I I I created you (laughs) I know how you think but when Thomas saw Jesus He said, my Lord and my God. He was claiming that Jesus Christ was God, the almighty God. And Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Again, Hebrews 11, faith is being sure of what you hope for and convinced of what you haven't seen. Some of us need to ask God, increase my faith, Lord. Help me believe what I haven't seen. Help me be convinced. Some of us are putting so much hope in the wrong things, and Jesus is saying, put your hope in me. I will never disappoint you. The other thing that hope does is it brings us a freedom from the fear of death. You know, most people have, it, have an overweening fear of dying. This is like most people's number one fear is the fear of dying. But you know what? If you know Jesus, if you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is the, the promise that he's offered, if you know Jesus, you do not have to fear death. Paul the Apostle said, to live is Christ, but to die, ha <laughs> ha, now that is gain. This is what he says, to die is gain. How many of you have ever prayed that prayer? Jesus, please take me now. <laughs> I pray that all the time. Jesus, now would be a good time. (laughs) But to live is Christ, but to die is actually even better. But you can be set free from a fear of death. You know, you could feasibly, you could die on the way home today. You could get in a car accident on the way home today. Or you could have a massive heart attack. Or you could have a blood clot. Or you could have all these things. 
Now, this is probably not the message you thought you'd hear on Easter. <laughs> I'm never going back to that church. <laughs> but it's the truth. My husband passed away unexpectedly five years ago. He had no idea that that day was going to be his last day. And guess what? As hard as that was, I know where he is. I do not doubt. I have never one time questioned if he was in heaven. And you too can have that assurance. You can have the, the conviction of what you haven't seen and belief that you will be in heaven. And not only that, but that you can have an abundant life now despite your circumstances, despite how bad things might suck right now. Because you might be having a horrible time. But yet... God is saying, I, I came to give you abundant life, overflowing life. And this is what he says he, um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. That scripture is so awesome. Kelly talked about it. But it says here, Jesus appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. What Paul the apostle, now Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And saying here is, hey, you don't have to believe me, but there's 500 people that literally saw him at one time. 500 people saw Jesus Christ alive. Now, do you think that in a court of law, if there were 500 witnesses that all proclaimed they saw him at this place, and he said this, and he did this, without the internet, that they, that they could somehow do that? No, it's very unlikely. But this is, again, proof that Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And this gives us a hope for life. Again, life abundantly. John 20, verse 30. I love this passage. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that aren't written in this book. He did many other things that aren't even recorded. And it says, but, and this is the thing I want you to get, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Hope gives us life. Hope gives us that that yearning to see what's coming in the future. It gives us more than we could ever imagine. You know, I, I don't want to always talk about this, but I do have to say that when my husband passed away five years ago, even though I suffered and it was excruciatingly painful, the Lord was near, the Lord was with me, and he gave me life. I had life even in the midst of my sorrow, even in the midst of mourning. He was there. And I, I know there's several people here and you've lost loved ones, and I know you would say the exact same thing, is that when you put your hope in him, there's something that he fills in you. He fills that emptiness. And this is the hope of eternal life. Because if we know that 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 we are assured that we will go to heaven. It's not just because you're kind of a good person or, you know, maybe I'll just go to purgatory for a while and have my friends pray me up into heaven or maybe I'll go to one of the other levels. or maybe, No, it is not in the Bible. 
It says eternal life. Jesus is in heaven and he has given us the promise. And this is what it says. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 15, 13, it says, and I want to pray this over you. Now may the God of hope, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus wants to do in you today. If you have never surrendered to him, if you, have, if you don't know right now, like if you were to get in a car accident today and, and not survive, I just want to challenge you. Do you know? Do you know where you would spend eternity? Because you are going to stand before the judge. You are going to stand before a righteous and a holy judge and he is going to ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus? He's going to say, what did you do with my son Jesus? Did you believe? Did you receive the forgiveness that he offered on the cross? Or did you think it was just a myth? Or did you put your hope in yourself? Because you can only put your hope in either God or in other things. All of these other things will not save you. Only God. Only Jesus Christ will save you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, that you may be overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? We're going we're gonna to stand up and I'm going to pray this blessing over you again. And then I want to say, if you're here and you have never been born again, of the spirit of the living God and you desire that today we're going to pray a prayer together I'm going to say it then you're going to repeat after me and then if you want we're going to have some pastors up front that would be happy to pray with you we want to pray for people if you have anything that you that you want us to pray we would love to pray with you but if you have never come to Jesus if you have never received him today is the day today is the day today is your birthday it's your birthday. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to all pray together. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, as you trust in him, so that you can be overflowing with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Oh, his spirit is here right now. You sense his spirit? Woo! Lord, we thank you, Lord God Almighty. We bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the hope that you give us. Thank you for the hope of freedom. Thank you for the hope of peace. Thank you for the hope of faith. Thank you for the hope of your love. Thank you for the hope of your presence and the hope that we can be set free from fear. Thank you for the hope that we can live eternally with you, that we will be learning about you for the rest of eternity. Thank you that you are good. Lord, with all of your power, you could have, you could have been any way, but you, you are good. You are nothing but good. We thank you for that, Lord. God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to those who are not born again. Lord, that you would be moving in their hearts, stirring in their hearts, Lord, so that they could come to know you today. Lord, we ask you would pour out salvation today in the name of Jesus. Pour out your spirit in this place. Pour out your spirit and pour out your spirit.
who are watching online. God, fill them to overflowing. Fill them to overflowing with hope. Lord, death has been arrested. You overcame sin and death. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And now if you are someone you have never been introduced to Jesus Christ personally, you don't have a relationship with him, I'm going to pray and I want everybody to just repeat my prayer if you would, okay? Dear Lord, we love you. We know that we're helpless and hopeless without you. You created everything. You created us. You created me to have a relationship with you. I confess that I have sinned. I've done things that have hurt me. I've done things that have hurt other people. I've grieved your Holy Spirit. I cannot save myself. I need your salvation. Fill me with your spirit as I confess my dependence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. I pray you'd baptize me in your spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, can we just applaud the Lord right now? We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. I just, I want to say right now, if, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, please come forward. We would love to be able to pray with you. We would love to be able to help you get started on your journey of your walk with the Lord. Brand new life, abundant life. So please come forward if you just prayed that and God bless you all. And he is risen. Yeah. Bye, guys. See you next week. Thank you for watching online. God bless you.